Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now, listeners, you're probably aware, or you'll have noticed, that occasionally now Peter and I do little flashback episodes to stories that we think we, we would have covered if we'd known about them, or ones that have come up during our research that are sort of relevant to the story we're telling. And this week's episode is another flashback episode. It certainly is, yes. It's been a little while since we've done one. There's been pretty some pretty solid Silver Age Earth 2 stuff recently, so you know, I hope you wouldn't mind, mm-hmm. mind indulging us. And this is actually it's a fun little story. Today we are doing a story called Marooned in the Fourth Dimension. Gosh. Um, it stars Tommy Tomorrow. And it was first published in issue 238 of Action Comics, which is published on the 30th of January 1958 with a cover date of March 1958. The cover of the comic has Superman fighting a gorilla in a Superman costume, but sadly that's not the story we're doing. So yes, the, the lead character is indeed Tommy Tomorrow. Peter, what's your first memory of encountering Tommy Tomorrow? In Showcase issue 100. Ah. The issue that has pretty much all the previous guest stars in Showcase in it. He was in the lineup for that issue, so yeah, that was uh, my first memory. What about yourself? I was thinking about this today. I think it was either reading History of the DC Universe oh. or reading Crisis on Infinite Earths, where he at least gets mentioned. Yeah. I don't think uh-huh. he's too involved, but he's, I think is no. there maybe. I think is there a bit when he gets interviewed by a news reporter? I can't remember. We'll get to that eventually, of course. Yes. He's not a character I know very much about. Peter, can you enlighten myself and the listeners with some info on Tommy tomorrow? I certainly can. Now, normally, at this stage, I would refer to DC Comics' Who's Who entry. But the interesting thing about this is the entry for Tommy Tomorrow was written after Crisis on Infinite Earths, and they made some fundamental changes to the character then. Right. Because after Crisis, DC kind of tried to make their unified universe have the same timeline, which is all well and good, but that meant you couldn't have such things as the alternate futures of Tommy Tomorrow and Commandy, for example. Hmm. Jack Kirby's Commandy, the last boy on earth. So what they did was they basically said Tommy Tomorrow is the boy who could have been Commandy and they kind of give a little bit of Commandy's origin and then have him just kind of be Tommy Tomorrow <laughs> in the Who's Who entry. Yes, so yes. I'm going to go through some of the biography from the Wikipedia page because it's actually a lot more to the point. Okay, and that's cool. It makes a lot more sense. Tommy Tomorrow graduated from Spaceport, which is West Point, in the far future of 1988. He is now a colonel of the Planeteers, which is a police force in the 21st century. Gotham is the capital city not only of Earth, but of the solar system. Wow! And every planet, every moon, and even many asteroids in the solar system seem to have some weird alien life form or sentient race in this series. And there's even a life-giving ocean on Venus. The character was meant to be a sort of future everyman, but slowly he changed into a policeman and moved into other titles. In these stories, Tommy, later assisted by Captain Brent Wood, flew the space lanes in their patrol craft Space Ace, <laughs> donning purple uniforms with yellow trim. Yes. As of action issue 149, Tommy Tomorrow's adventures were moved forward in the future to make it a bit more kind of realistic to the year 2050. Now, the Crisis Companion that we've referred to quite often, the one that comes with the Absolute Crisis Symphony Earths, actually allocates a different Earth to 
the earlier adventures of Tommy Tomorrow, the ones that are set in 1988. Interesting. But I think we'll probably just take it as this is just the one character sure. all the way through because it's more of just a, a fudging of the dates as opposed to a brand new character with a yes. total, totally different uh, outlook. Yeah. So yeah, the creators basically realised that 1990 was too soon for such technology as the series boasted. Uh, most of it was written by Otto Binder, and Jim Mooney was the main penciler on it as well. Cool. He first appeared in Real Fact Comics number 6, and ap- appeared in three different issues of it subsequently. And that was 1947. Then he had an ongoing strip in Action Comics from issue 127 up to 251, uh, before moving to World's Finest Comics. And that takes him up to 1962. And then his final Silver Age appearances were in Showcase. Now, the Showcase issues are really interesting because it's kind of a soft reboot of the character right. or a flashback. Okay. You could take it as either because basically he's back at the back at the Academy right. in the first story. Okay. And you could see it as this is either a new version of the character starting or it could yeah. be taken as this is just a flashback. So could we say this is a, a different Earth, Tommy? We don't know. We're just going to take it that this is all the same character, as far as we're concerned. So he's technically a Golden Age character then? Yeah, uh, he does appear. First published in 1947, yeah, yeah, and published all the way up to 1962. Mm-hmm. Outlasted quite a few other people who were first published in the 40s, so that's, that's quite interesting. Yeah, and as I said, he appeared in for a few issues of Showcase, and then he next appeared in Showcase issue 100. Yep. Which I can't wait for us to do, because it's <laughs> such a great story. Yeah, quite a way off, sadly, but we will, we will get there. The interesting thing about this one, listeners, is that Peter and I are both reading this story from our copies of The Greatest 1950s Stories Ever Told, Yes, which is a, a brilliant DC hardcover collection, which was published in 1990. I bought my copy from Steve Montgomery in Acker Books and Comics one day in 1991. He saw me coming, basically, because I bought this and The Greatest Golden Age Stories Ever Told on the same day, and sat up reading all the text pages and loads and loads of the stuff for, for nights and nights, weeks, weeks and then, because there's so much good stuff. The trouble with this book, of course, is you know we referenced it when we did the the Green Arrow episode a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. As most of the stories, as best we're aware, in this collection, the greatest nineteen fifty stories ever told, they've been recolored. So we're not really too sure how authentic an experience we're going to have reading it compared to the original. I did have a look about, and I could see a couple of panels from it online. Ah, similar to the Green Arrow story, actually, they've recolored it and made it a little darker and moodier. Okay. It would be nice to see the original story. So you know, if you're looking at the socials when we put the panels up and stuff, it's more than likely going to be from uh, the reprint in the greatest 1950s stories ever told. So we apologise yeah. for that slight bit of inauthenticity, if that is such a word. But, you know, we'll cope. We'll cope, I'm sure. <laughs> right, shall we just go on with it then, Pete? Shall we crack on? Yes, let's do this. So, page 171 of the greatest 1950s stories ever told. We have a big opening splash panel with a large Tommy Tomorrow logo. Tommy's on the the pavement beside a busy road and a car speeds past. We can see in the background there's a sign that's spelt E-R-A-W-D-R-A-H, which you may notice is hardware spelt backwards. There's another sign Mm -hmm. which is spelt E-O-H-S-P-O-H-S. And that basically, you may have spotted, that says shoe shop. And just above Tommy's head, there's a street sign, this futuristic looking place that says K-O Tirts. So that's Oak Street. In this opening splash panel, Tommy's being cut up by a motorist in a car that looks very much like the Batmobile I had as a kid, with a sort of bubble over the top, and the very futuristic, Star Trek-y looking motorist yells at Tommy, Cool oot! Which is obviously, look out, backwards. And Tommy's thinking to himself, Oops, he meant look out, but, but where am I? If this is Earth, 
Why is everything spelled backwards? To the left bottom corner of this massive big opening splash panel, we have a caption box. And the caption box says, In the year 2058, the interplanetary duties and gallant space deeds of Colonel Tommy Tomorrow have sent him from one end of the known universe to the other. But there is one place out of this or any world that the Ace of Planeteers has never visited. You'll witness Tommy's most fantastic adventure, his most uncanny experience, and his deadliest trap, all rolled into one when he becomes marooned, marooned in, in the, the fourth, fourth dimension. dimension. Fantastic. Right, so we crack on. Under the splash panel, there are two remaining panels in the first page of the story. The caption for the first panel says... One morning in the year 2058, as Colonel Tommy Tomorrow reads his newspaper at breakfast... You see Tommy reading his newspaper. Nice to know that print media is still a thing in the far-off future <laughs> of 37 years from now. Yes. And we can see his, his teacup and looks like a salt, either a salt or pepper shaker on the table in front of him. And we can see the city out the window behind. He's reading a newspaper called The Daily Meteor. And there's a headline that says, Martian Canal Floods Over. Gosh. And Tommy's thinking, and I'm probably playing Tommy far too young, but I don't care. Tommy's thinking, a big disaster. Maybe I'll be assigned to fly to Mars today and help out. However, the caption for the next panel says, But at Planeteer headquarters, the commander has a special assignment for his space ace. Yes, Tommy sat at the desk of his commander, who's some very futuristic looking equipment on his desk. We can see some filing cabinets behind him. He's wearing a very stylized and fancy, almost Sergeant Pepper style military uniform. Yes. He's kind of an older man, sweat back hair and a moustache. He's holding a sheet of paper and he's saying to Tommy, A message came from Professor Jackson, who is the laboratory in Asteroid X-33. He has found the gateway to the fourth dimension and needs a volunteer to explore that unknown realm. I'm willing, sir. Over the page to page two. The commander continues. No, Tommy, we can't risk losing our most valuable man. See if you can get one of the prisoners in the space Alcatraz <laughs> to volunteer instead. Offer him his freedom if he cooperates. Yes, sir. But first, I'll visit Professor Jackson and learn just how dangerous the experiment will be. We should point out this is Jackson spelt J-A-X-O-N. So phonetic spelling is going to become a big deal in the next 37 years. Yes. The caption then for the next panel on page two says, Later, as Tommy's spaceship speeds to the asteroids. Yep, you see Tommy's spaceship speeding to the asteroids. It's, oh God, how would you describe it? It kind of looks a bit like, kind of does look a bit like the space shuttle crossed with the Liberator from Blake 7, but flying forwards. Yes, I can see that, huh? We see a thought bubble coming from the spaceship as it scoots along, and Tommy's thinking, the dangers in the unknown fourth dimension might be greater than even a convict from prison would risk. Caption for the next panel. Soon. We see Tommy inside the laboratory, presumably Professor Jackson. You can see an older looking man. He's bald. His long beard is wearing a, an outfit that has a sort of medallion type effect around the, the neck. He's carrying a cage which appears to have a couple of guinea pigs in it. And Tommy arrives and says to this gentleman, I'm Tommy Tomorrow of the Planeteers. What lies in the fourth dimension, Professor? Professor Jackson says. I don't know. My dimension cabinet has hurled test objects across the barrier into the unknown, but none came back. Watch these guinea pigs. Guinea pigs, good grief. The caption for the next panel. 
Astoundingly, as a switch is thrown... They were standing next to some equipment in the previous panel, and it looked as if the, the professor was about to stick the guinea pigs into an oven or a dumb waiter looking device. <laughs> There's a glass screen in front of them in this panel, and it looks like a cloud of smoke inside. Tommy looks astonished, and he says, Great stars! They vanished in a puff of smoke! Where did they go? What do they see? Perhaps only a human volunteer could send messages back telling us the mysteries that exist in the fourth dimension. Gosh. Caption for the next panel. For the sake of science, Tommy agrees. And later... Yes, we get another nice shot of Tommy's spaceship in space, and it's arriving at Space Alcatraz. It's basically an asteroid. It has a big space Mm -hmm. that's being blasted at the front, and Space Alcatraz chipped into the rock. And we can see some buildings under a dome. There's a sort of watchtower at the top, flashing out search beam type things. And it's another thought bubble from Tommy as he arrives. The worst criminals are jailed here. All lifers. Volunteers for any dangerous experiments are always selected here. If they survive the experiment, they earn a pardon. So that's good. That's a nice bit of exposition from Tommy, a bit of an explanation of what's going on. Caption for the final panel on page two says, But as the warden conducts Tommy through the cell blocks... The point of view of this panel, we're inside the cell of one of the prisoners. We can see Tommy and the warden outside. Tommy, who we haven't really described, so a young-looking man in yellow with his aforementioned, as Pete said, purple uniform with black and yellow accoutrements. The warden is a sort of middle-aged-looking man with brown hair, a very neat moustache, and inside the cell there's a guy who looks... Do you remember the Hulk villain, Zax? Yes, uh uh-huh. He looks very like him, sort of like electricity has come to life. Looks like a very sort of impish version of... Of Zax, the Hulk and Hawkeye mm-hmm. body. An anorexic Zax. Yeah. So this man who looks like an electrical version of the human torch, you could almost say, it's obvious that the warden has put a proposition to this gentleman because this gentleman in the cell is saying, Risk my life in another crazy dimension? Not me! The warden says to Tommy. They all refused, even that powerful electric man from Neptune. Our last hope is the space looter who was formerly interplanetary enemy number one. Yes, so that was the powerful electric man from Neptune. Be assured, when Peter and I write our DC comic in the future, he's coming back. Mm -hmm. We arrive at the top of page three, and there's a sort of weird-looking robot-type thing that looks very much like Vesuvius from the Doctor Who magazine comic strip. Oh, what was it called? Iron Legion. The Iron Legion. Oh, yes. See what I mean? Looks very much like him. The Pat Mills one. Yes. Yes. So that might be an obscure reference, listeners. I do apologise. So there's a weird sort of robot. It must be one of the set. It must be one of the guards or something. But we can see that in this other part of the prison, that the space looter is in his cell. And the space looter is nondescript. Very messy black haircut. And this printing is wearing a green overall. And the warden and Tommy are conversing outside his cell. But the space looter himself has something to say. If I return alive from the fourth dimension, the law says I go free, right? Okay. I'll chance it. And the warden says. The space looter accepted. I'll have my powerful robot guards escort him. He mustn't trick us and escape. He really mustn't. I hope he doesn't. Caption then for the next panel on page three. Another precaution is taken. And we see as Tommy looks on, the warden is zapping, it looks like, the space looter. Don't find out what the space looter's real name is. Look, The warden looks like he's zapping with some sort of freeze ray. And um, here's some dialogue which clarifies and he says... We gave him suspended animation serum. Now this frost ray will freeze him solid in your ship. Let him try to escape from that. Good grief, is that humane? I wonder. So, panel three, page three. We have another caption. Slow dissolve. Later, at the asteroid lab. 
We're back at Professor Jackson's laboratory and we can see here that Tommy, he has to be quite young because he's still wearing short trousers. Tommy is talking to Professor Jackson as he zaps the space looter and Tommy says as he does so, My ray gun flames will melt the ice and revive him now. Here's your volunteer, Professor. Professor Jackson replies, Excellent. My dimension cabinet will hurl him to some strange new dimensional universe never explored by man before. Wow. Then the caption for the next panel says, Suddenly, Tommy stumbles on a startling revelation. Yes, Tommy's looking at a piece of equipment. It looks like he just walked behind the, the, the professor's sort of main control console or something. And Tommy has a very helpful, see what you see, thought bubble. And Tommy thinks, that electric cord looks loose. Great Jupiter! The cabinet isn't plugged in, and never was. The scientist only faked making things vanish by using some magician's trick cabinet. The next panel shows Tommy observing the professor operating the equipment that he obviously used to make the guinea pigs disappear. And this time it seems to be working on the space looter. So as Tommy watches this, he thinks, And the crook isn't going to the fourth dimension either. He's dropping through a trapdoor. Yep, you can see that. There's a sort of square hole opening, it looks like, round the space looter. Tommy continues to think, I'll expose the hoax. And then he says out loud, Send me to the fourth dimension too, Professor. Professor Jackson replies, well, uh, if, if you insist. Caption for the final panel, page three says. But Tommy is unaware of the cunning trap that has sprung. Tommy's now standing inside the equipment and Professor Jackson is basically looking at the reader and he's looking very shifty and he's thinking. That cabinet was plugged in when I transmitted test objects away. I only unplugged it for the space looter so that he'd remain here on Earth. But it also fooled Tommy tomorrow into trying to expose my hoax. Gosh. And we can see that the professor is indeed plugging the equipment back in. Interesting. At the top of page four, the space looter emerges from the trapdoor. And we can see that there's a big burst of energy inside the cabinet as Tommy is presumably being sent to the fourth dimension. But professor Jackson is saying, Goodbye, Tommy. You're really being hurled into the fourth dimension from which there is no return. <laughs> Space Luther says, And I'm a free man. Our plot worked, Professor Jackson, alias Genius Jones. It's the cleverest jailbreak in space history. The caption for the next panel says, What will be Tommy's fate as he whirls dizzily through inexplicable twists of space-time? Yes, great shot of Tommy looking very dizzy as this happens. A little burst of light popping around his face as he's spinning and he's thinking, I... I feel as if I'm changing, turning inside out, being taken apart, atom by atom. What's happening to me? <gasps> the caption then for the next panel. When Tommy steps from the cabinet, an uncanny phenomenon has taken place. We see Tommy emerging from the cabinet and he's sort of gone, well, he looks like he's invisible or translucent at least. It reminds me of the few Captain Triumph stories I've read when I've seen Captain Triumph's dead brother floating about around him. Of course, yes. Professor Jackson is talking to the space looter. With Tommy in the fourth dimension, he can exist in this, the earthly dimension, only as an intangible spectre. Ah, so that's what's happened. We can see in this panel that Tommy's firing his ray gun at the professor, obviously trying to take him out. But Tommy's thinking, he's right. My ray gun has no effect on them. I'm like uh, a phantom now. The next panel, we can see space looter climbing into a space rocket about to fly off. Professor Jackson, or maybe Genius Jones, 
is waving him off, saying, Now you can pull robberies, Space Looter. We'll split the swag. Ha <laughs> ha! Behind them, Tommy, well, he's emerging through the wall, and he's thinking, I'll ooze out through the wall and warn the authorities. Like a phantom, Tommy finds he can waft himself through space. Tommy's looking very much like a heavenly body. He's drifting through space, now we can see a moon behind him. There's some meteors flashing past, and very helpfully, Tommy thinks. Meteors crash through me without harm. I'll warn the nearest planeteer station that the space looter is at large. Top of page five, then, and the caption for the first panel says, But another shock awaits Tommy. Now, Tommy's arrived at Planetary Headquarters. We can see some of his colleagues. One guy looks like he's repairing some equipment. A couple of guys at the back of the panel, one operating some equipment, one of the clipboards that looks like they're watching a, a radar-type screen or something. And the translucent spectre, Phantom Tommy, is standing in the doorway. And he says, Attention, men! Send ships to chase a notorious space criminal who are... Oh. And he thinks, Wait. Nobody turned. They can't hear me or see me. I'm like a ghost! Caption for the next panel. Forlornly, Tommy drifts into space, aware of his fantastic plight. This is a pretty special looking panel. Yeah. We see the silhouette ghost of Phantom Tommy drifting through space. I was about to describe what we see, but here's an another helpful see what you see thought bubble. I, I, I'm exiled from the earthly dimension, marooned in the fourth dimension. Hmm, that spiral nebula ahead. Why? It looks exactly like the Milky Way galaxy when photographed from a distance. I'll go there. So he drifts and wafts himself. He must really go at some speed. Yep. If he's drifted up from Planetier Headquarters and then he can see the entire Mil what looks like the entire Milky Way galaxy. That's me. Yeah. The caption then for the next panel says... More amazingly, following earthly star maps from memory... Yep, once again, see what you see. We can see Tommy looking at the Earth and the Moon from space, or at least what looks like the Earth and the Moon, and he's thinking... The same Sun! Mars, Jupiter, all the planets are here. There's an Earth, too! Is this dimension an exact duplicate of ours? Now that's when I say, there's an Earth, too. I mean, there's an Earth <laughs> as well. I don't mean yes. there's an Earth 2 spelt the number 2 as in where J. E. Garrick lives. No. So, here we are then in 1958, and here's Tommy tomorrow in another dimension where there appears to be an exact du duplicate of the Earth. So, there you go, listeners. If you're wondering quite why we're doing this story, there you are. Mm -hmm. And we're not the Earth as well podcast. Yes. <laughs> the Earth also podcast. Right, now, things start to heat up a little bit here. The caption for the next panel says... The riddle unfolds on the twin Earth. Things are heating up now. We can see Tommy, and he appears to have returned to normal. And he's looking at a street sign which reads H-T-F-I-F-E-V-A. So that's Fifth Avenue. And Tommy's thinking, Under the influence of gravity, I turned solid gradually, since I'm really part of this dimension universe. This world is almost a copy of Earth, except for the queer language. The next panel, we can see Tommy again looking at the sign that's in the window of an establishment and we can see that it's basically the word restaurant printed backwards. And we can see in the background someone is greeting someone else with a wave and this person says, Ole! Which is obviously hello spelled backwards. And Tommy's thinking as he looks at the establishment in front of him, Wait! That word is restaurant spelled backwards! And people talk backward words. Then this is a mirror universe, which is an exact reflection of ours! In the next panel, we can see outside a cinema, the lights are all flashing, there's a poster which says, Reet Ten Alp Lurip. And he's thinking, 
They even have Planeteers, spelled backwards, and that same movie, Planeteer Peril, is running back home. Do all things happen exactly alike in both dimensions? We arrive at the top of page 6, and Tommy's looking at a newspaper headline. You can see the word newsstand printed backwards, Daily Meteor printed backwards on the newspaper headline, and Martian Canal floods over, again printed backwards. And Tommy reads the newspaper headline thinking, But this news, Martian Canal floods over, came out yesterday on my earth. By some freak of time, events here occur one day later. And now I know how to escape my trap. Gasp. The caption then for the next panel says, Can you guess what Tommy means? Later, back in the normal universe, as the space looter returns to the lab. Yeah, we see Genius Jones, a.k.a. Professor Jackson, and space looter. And there's a big pile of swag on the table. <laughs> there's a bag with a big dollar sign and some jewels and gold coins spilling all over the place. Nice to know that gold will retain its value Yes. in the far-off future 37 years from now. And good to see that dollar signs and bags is still a thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's great. Professor Jackson, a.k.a. Genius Jones, is saying to Space Looter, We'll split the loot you brought. I wish Tommy tomorrow could see this. <laughs> and in the background of the panel, reappearing in the Professor's cabinet is indeed Tommy Tomorrow, who says, I do see it, gents. I'm back. In the next panel, Space Looter and Professor Jackson are on their feet. Professor Jackson says, Tommy Tomorrow, but... But how could you return? You see Tommy firing his ray gun and zapping what appears to be a gun out of the hand of the space looter. And as he does this, Tommy says, It was simple. Events in the fourth dimensional mirror universe duplicate earthly events, but a day later, at the ECAP's Zartakla, or Space Alcatraz, and we have a little flashback type panel, as we see Tommy's little tiny head narrating, the ECAP's retool, or space looter, was just being frozen in ice after volunteering. And we see Tommy observing the warden, zapping the space looter and freezing him in ice. And Tommy's narration continues in the caption for the next panel, saying, And soon, at the asteroid lab of Rossi Forp Noxage, Professor Jackson, the same cunning trap was tried, but with one difference, caused by me. And this panel shows Tommy tomorrow, well, basically, <laughs> with another Tommy tomorrow. Another way of putting it. And our Tommy is thinking, This planeteer knows the loose plug too. No time to explain. I'll just shove him out the window, then take his place in the cabinet. And yep, that's what we see. A bewildered-looking other Tommy Tomorrow being shoved out the window by our Tommy Tomorrow. And then, yep, it's a short episode this week, listeners. The final panel. Nice hero shot of Tommy Tomorrow as he concludes. And so, I was sent from the fourth dimension back to where I belong. That planeteer will never know he was saved by himself. He was my double in the mirror universe. Lenelok, Yimot, <laughs> Warmot, <laughs> which of course is to Colonel Tommy Tomorrow backwards. And we have a closing final caption which says, The, the end. Or oh, it should really say, Echt, Yeah, we got there in the end. Well then, Peter, what did you think of that? Doogie Rev. Doogie Rev. It was Doogie Rev. It was. Yes, very good, that is. Yes. I'm ecstatic at the fact that once again we've turned up a story where someone visits a parallel dimension, finds a duplicate of Earth and encounters a version of themselves. Yeah. Ages before the Flash went to another universe and met another Flash. <laughs> you know, this is round about the same time that Zinaro had his adventure and, and all that sort of That's stuff. That's true. That's true. That was That was a fun little story, wasn't it? 
obviously something in the water there. Uh, mm. Yeah, that was great fun. Uh, I wonder if this mirror fourth dimension is in any way connected with some of the mirror dimensions that Mirror Master uses, uh, which we'll get onto later. Yes, the Mirror Master will be appearing quite prominently in an upcoming episode. Flash fans, so watch out for that. That's a very interesting point, actually. When we write mm-hmm. our DC comic, we should tie that all in. <laughs> we should. I really liked the way the future, the far off future, you know, of course then it was 100 years in the future, but now it's only 37 mm-hmm. years in the future. I loved Space Alcatraz. Yes. I loved Tommy's Commander. I mean, Space Alcatraz and the design of the show, it was so Fireball XL5. It was unbelievable. Very much so, yes. That's, that's a very good point to make. Even just the fact that the guy was called Space Looter. Yeah, not even a name. <laughs> yeah, that could be an episode of Fireball XL5. I'm sure there's one with Cold uh-huh. Space Pirates, I'm sure. Fireball XL5 listeners, if you don't know, of course, is the, the very early Outer Space Jerry Anderson puppet series, which is brilliant. You should try and watch it if you can. It's a short episode this week, as we say, these mm-hmm. little flashbacks. They're not all epics. It's interesting that animal testing seems to be coming back in the future. That's not really progress, but there we are. Well, I wonder if that's just a, an indication of the evil of Professor Jackson. Could be. That should raise a flag for Tommy there. Yeah, you're right. You're very right. Tommy was kind of was a bit slack of him not to, to mm. pick up on that. The only real sort of criticism I've got for this, I felt the ending was a bit rushed. I mean, we're yeah. after all the setup, we're only actually in the middle dimension on this other version of Earth for not even a page. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and even the little sequence when Tommy is on the other Earth and returns to normal on, because of the influence of gravity what um we don't even see the opening splash panel sequence you know we don't get the bit when he gets no, cut true. off by this by the speeding motorist mm-hmm. tommy tomorrow backup sets were probably by definition quite you know almost filler and very disposable but you know there's there's yeah. a lot potentially that could have been fleshed out very nicely you know, a couple mm-hmm. more pages and i love the robot i loved the powerful electric man from neptune all that stuff a lot of fun yep. to be had there i've got one minor nitpick oh good good as we see, Tommy flies off in a spaceship to the asteroids to rendezvous with Professor Jackson. But later on, when Professor Jackson's thinking about his, his cabinet, uh, he says, I only unplugged it for the space looter so that he'd remain here on Earth. He's not on Earth. He's on an asteroid. Ah, of course. So, That's right. sorry, yep. very nitpicky of me, but <laughs> they could have fixed that. They could have tidied that up. Killjoy was here. <laughs> no, you're right. It's a, bit, <laughs> it's a bit lax. Yeah, maybe he wasn't being literal. Maybe he just meant that this was, you know, our own dimension or at home sort of thing. Maybe, maybe. IDK. Mm-hmm. I know it's a reach, but you're right. That's a bit daft. Yes, that's really all we've got to say on the story. Now there have been subsequent appearances in DC Comics of Tommy Tomorrow. In fact, one series that I really enjoy is Howard Chaykin's miniseries Twilight with some great Jose Luis ah. Garcia Lopez artwork in it. Of course. He's one of the main characters in that. Basically, it's a story that kind of throws all the future DC characters together. It's kind of an Elseworlds to itself. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, folks. Seek it out. It was collected a few years ago into a trade. It was out as three prestige format issues originally. Yep. But yeah, it's incredibly good and definitely worth checking out. In the DC 1 million series, in the Starman 1 million issue, we find out that one of the future Starmen is called Tommy Tomorrow. Of course! He's actually Tommy Tomorrow the second. How could I have forgotten that? Because I only <laughs> reread Starman last year. Listeners, at the moment, to go off on a tangent, but you'll forgive us, I'm reading the Will Payton Starman series for the very first time. I'm on about 10 or 12 issues from the end, so interesting. And I've just finished reading it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm. So, 
Maybe we'll probably talk about it later at some point. We have a plan to do a an episode on sort of future Starmen, post crisis mm-hmm. Starmen. Just you know, but that won't happen for a long time. So don't worry, it's not going to turn up anytime yeah. soon. Yeah, just like this is a flashback episode. We might do a flash forward episode every yes. now and then. Yes. So listen out for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in the Star Trek Legion of Superheroes uh, miniseries, there was a Captain Tomorrow that appeared in that as well. Ah. That's interesting. And just imagine Stan Lee creating the DC Universe. A teenager that grew up with Robin was called Tommy Tomorrow. Cool. And in Keith Giffen's Threshold series, which no one read in 2013, (laughs) although it was quite fun, uh, Tommy Tomorrow appears, but he appears almost like a a Martian spelling of his name with Thomas Tomorrow. That's quite interesting too. Wow. I didn't know anything about all these other subsequent Tommy Tomorrows, apart from the fact I've forgotten about the one that was Starman. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So Tommy Tomorrow the second, that's probably supposed to be the son of Tommy Tomorrow then, isn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. I love that. That's a great little thing to think about. Tommy Tomorrow's son was a Starman. Amazing. Exciting. I mean, we should talk about this bit very quickly. It's fascinating mm-hmm. that, once again, really, we should reiterate this, there was another long-established DC Comics character who... Yeah. was cutting about and being transported into other dimensions and finding parallels. The fact that he saw another version of the galaxy and saw Arthur, it reminded me very much of the Supergirl of Two Worlds story that we did at the start of the year. Of course, yes. Uh-huh. You know, just flying into space and coming mm. across another version of Earth, or a planet like Earth at least. That was that yeah. felt very familiar. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Although all the writing was reversed when he saw Earth from space, the continents and everything weren't reversed. It wasn't a mirror image of Earth. Yes. It's just everything was written backwards. It, yeah. It wasn't an exact mirror image altogether. It was a kind of mishmash. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's kind of interesting. Worth pointing out, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yep. And unfortunately, of course, there's no reader reaction from the time because they didn't do letters back in the 50s. However, that doesn't stop you, listener, from getting in touch with us to tell us what you think about this story. You can email us at theearthdopodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we'll be posting up a few highlights from this very issue and indeed some other Tommy Tomorrow highlights as well. Watch out for that. Yep, we're going to scrape about and see what we can find. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Bear with us. (laughs) See what we can do. Yep, on Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. And it's the number two for all our social media. And also check out our website, that's theearth2podcast.com, where you can Mm. find this and all our other episodes. So shall we sign off by saying the Earth 2 Podcast backwards? Yes, let's do that. Okay. I've been Peter. And I've been David. And you've been listening to... The The Earth Earth 2 Podcast Podcast Backwards. backwards. (laughs) Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime.